Before we get into today's episode, I want to remind you that Blue Spruce Capital is lending on one to four unit fix and flips in multiple states. Contact Blue Spruce Capital by going to the show notes. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams. And guess who we've got on the show today? We've got Heath Phillips. I'm really, really glad that you're here. I've been wanting to get you on for some time. But tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into real estate and corporate transactional law. Thank you very much, Adam. I appreciate you having me on. Um, so a little bit uh, about me. I grew up in Montana, um, ended up spending a lot of time in the Midwest and um, somewhere along my career, I was more in the corporate career, uh, working for large companies. Um, but I would say it was probably around 2001, 2002. Um, you know, like a lot of real estate investors, you look at your 401k over the years and it's not doing what you, what you want it to do. And so I decided, to, my wife and I decided to jump into uh, real estate investing. We purchased our first property in Dayton, Ohio. It was a uh, four unit uh, uh, apartment building, and I spent the next three months basically living there, fixing that uh, property up, and and uh, so that was my entry into real estate investing. Uh, we've been buying properties uh, uh, ever since. Uh, mostly, what we do is buy and hold, trying to uh, create rental cash flow, um, and so um, that's what I do. My uh, as a as an attorney, what I do is I help uh, uh, corporate. Uh, uh, entities, businesses, or even investors, small investors as well. And I do um, foreclosures, quiet title actions, evictions. Um, I help with a little bit of uh, HOA stuff as well. Tell me, what is quiet title action? Yeah, so a quiet title uh, action is basically what you're trying to do is, is clear the title uh, on a property. So for some reason, the, the, uh, the title has somebody's name on it that you either can't find or can't contact, maybe they're deceased. Uh, and so you file a, a, a court action and get the court to give you an order that says you are the only owner of this property. And so therefore you, you clear the title and it's just your name on it. Okay, got it. Let me ask you on the Dayton, Ohio property, you said it was your first property. When was that you, that you bought that apartment? Uh, it was approximately 2002. Okay, so you've been in this business for a long time. Long time. Nice. And will you remind me, did you say it was a four unit or a 40 unit? It was four. Four. Okay, just, just yeah. making sure because I couldn't quite tell. So do you still own that one today? I don't, no. So uh, as you probably know and other investors know, in certain parts of the Midwest, the, the market, it's, it's kind of hard to get any appreciation. And so... Uh, being my first property, there wasn't any uh, savvy buying on the front end. It was more just paying full retail, going through a, a real estate broker, picking a property off of the MLS. Uh, so we paid too much for it. We still got a decent uh, cash flow out of it, but decided to uh, to sell. Uh, okay. I, we, own, we own that property for probably eight years. Great. Let me, so let's see, You've your main focus is buy and hold for cash flow. Let me ask you a question here. Did you, have you ever done a short-term fix and flip? Um, you, we've done, uh, I've done one uh, and it, it's been just uh, this year actually. Uh, so I partnered up with, uh, with another um, uh, friend of mine and we bought a property in Sterling, uh, fixed it up and, and flipped it. So did pretty well out there. The sterling market is, is uh, doing pretty well. So 
we right. did well on that one. But that's the only only fix fix and flip that I've done. What did what was like the gross income for for you guys on that one? What what? Well, let's just talk about all the numbers. Actually, how much did you buy it for? Uh, we bought it for thirty grand. Wow. Okay. How much did you put into it? Uh, we budgeted about 90 and we ended up going way over budget just because it's in Sterling. It's hard to manage the crews. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, costs kind of went over. Uh, but I believe we ended up around uh, 120,000 uh, all, all right. in. All in. So you're, are you saying 30 plus the 120 rehab it, budget? It, exactly. What, what did you guys sell that for? Yeah. We sold it for uh, 182. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, let me ask you a few more questions. So, as far how when did you start becoming? When did you get into law? Was that well before this 2002, or is it after? It was actually it was actually after. Okay. So, um, okay. I started my yeah I started my career as an engineer um, as a chemical engineer, and then in 2004 is when I decided to go back to school, and so I went to law school, got my uh, degree in 2008, uh, moved out to Colorado in 2009, and that's when. Uh, when I uh, became a member of the, of the state bar out here. Okay. Awesome. Awesome stuff. So what, um, what would you say to the listeners uh, just from being an attorney and I know you're not their attorney and you probably have to give them some type of, uh, you know, you probably have to protect yourself, but just, just some ideas, some education on a few things that you see a lot of real estate investors making mistakes on because they don't know the same laws that you know? Sure. Uh, well, I would say the main thing is uh, on the front end, it's good to have your rental properties inside of a business entity just to limit your own personal liability. Uh, and, and I did the same thing. When, when uh, I purchased my first property, you just buy it outright. Uh, you, you put your name on the uh, paperwork just like you do for your personal residence uh, and you go. Um, but uh, it's really a good idea to form a business entity, whether that's an LLC, an S corporation, uh, whatever you choose. Uh, and, and there's different considerations depending on what you're going to do with the property. But it's a good idea to put that property inside of a business entity and that way you limit your personal uh, exposure. And, and let's be honest, things happen, right? If you're renting these properties out, you have tenants, uh, there's the possibility that they slip and fall on the sidewalk or, right? Anything can happen. And so what you want to do is, is uh, make sure that your personal assets aren't exposed in a situation like that. I would say that's the main thing. Okay. Do you maybe have uh, two or three more that we, I could notate for the listeners? Some, sometimes yeah. you see people just making these mistakes and you, and you wish they wouldn't. Yeah. The other thing I think is to uh, make sure that you're using a, um, whether it's a purchase contract or a lease agreement, Make sure that your agreements are robust and at least have somebody look them over, preferably an attorney, uh, beforehand. Uh, and then you can continue to reuse them for a period of years. Obviously, laws change and there's, and there's case law that happens. Uh, so periodic review by an attorney is a good idea. But I see a lot of contracts where uh, investors come to me and say, okay, here's the, here's the contract I entered into. And, and it, they're so bad. And, and it's just, and whenever contracts are vague, that's when there's the possibility for disputes. Yeah, and we don't have to mention any names, but I think I might have referred somebody to you that had that exact issue. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. So, yeah, um, 
is there one more that I could put down? A problem that um, you see other investors kind of doing and kind of missing the law or, or not really protecting themselves? Yeah, I would say the other thing uh, I would say is from a landlord standpoint is don't be afraid of the eviction process. Uh, I see a lot of landlords who have really bad tenants. Uh, it's causing them a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of money, frankly, because they're not getting paid on time. Um, don't be afraid to start the eviction process. Get that going early and kind of set a precedent in your properties, right? So that your tenants know that if they're five, 10 days uh, late on these payments, um, depending on what the lease agreement says, of course, but um, if they're late, then you're going to go ahead and start the eviction proceedings immediately. And that way they just know and everybody's on the same page. And, um, but I see a lot of uh, tenants and I did the same thing is you want to see the best in people. You want to give them a chance and you know, you're six, nine months in, into a default situation. And all of a sudden you're going, ah, now I got to start the eviction and then evictions take time as well. So then you're another 60, 90 days into it. Awesome. Thank you for going through all those. So we, we talked about rentals needing to be inside of an entity. Just a quick question for you. Do you form those entities? Can you form Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. We, then we talked about making sure that you're using a robust lease agreement. Again, Heath, uh, can you make those agreements for people? And you can look Absolutely. them over. Absolutely. Yep. And the third one is, is you see that people are having fear uh, of doing these evictions, which is costing them time, effort, money. And you're saying that, that they should get into it early, early. Do you have anything to do with evictions? Do you do any, any evictions yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I handle evictions okay. as well. Yeah, both okay. uh, cool. commercial and residential. Yep. Perfect. So at the end, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to just share with us some of your contact info in case anybody wants to reach out to you. Right now, let's talk a little bit more about why you're in so it sounds like you're, you're specializing in two different types of law. Am I, am I wrong on that or is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So talk a little bit uh, to me. What is corporate transactional law? What is, what is the definition of that? What are you actually doing? Yeah. So what, uh, what my firm does is we work with small to mid-sized companies and uh, uh, act as outside general counsel for them. So there's kind of a, a, a niche in the market, if you will, where small to mid-sized companies um, they're not large enough to be able to afford full-time in-house counsel. What we do is we fill that void. Uh, we work with them um, to handle all, all of their legal needs. And corporate transactional just refers to um, the day-to-day -day operations of a business. Maybe it's uh, forming a business entity, reviewing a contract, um, buying another business, selling a business, uh, venture capital financing, those types of transactions. Uh, what we don't do is litigation. We stay away from litigation. Uh, just because that's kind of a specialty area. Um, so we, trans we, ha we handle the, uh, the legal transactions that, that businesses face on a daily basis. Great. Yeah. Thanks for going into that. Okay, great. So that's what corporate transactional law is doing. You're focusing on small to mid-sized companies and acting as a general counsel. I love that. What about real estate? So what, as a real estate attorney, what are you focusing on there? Um, yeah, a lot of the same things, really. Most of my clients uh, in the real estate are um, lenders, um, uh, companies who invest, and then individual investors as well. Um, but what I do there is kind of advise them through the whole process. Having been an investor myself, I understand the, the issues that pop up. Um, and so I help them on the front end with either purchasing or a, a property, looking over the purchase contracts, um, 
forming lease agreements if they're going to rent it out. Maybe it's a subcontractor agreement if they're doing a fix and flip, all of those sorts of, of things along the way. Uh, and then on the tail end as well. So uh, if once they get it rented, if there's eviction issues or title issues, we can do the quiet title actions. Um, I have clients now that, uh, that look for foreclosures. So uh, we, we help them through that process as well. You brought up the quiet title and I, I had another question that was kind of lingering anyway. So it's a great time for me to ask you. What's the difference, if there is any, is it just a different term for the same thing between quiet title and clear title? Um, so a quiet title refers to uh, an actual uh, court proceeding. So uh, clear title refers to sort of the status of a title, uh, whether it's clear, um, clean, whether it's been insured uh, along the way, uh, if there are any encumbrances that haven't been resolved. Um, a quiet title is a specific court action. So you file the court action to, and, you get, and you get the court to, to uh, clear the title for you. Okay, so I've been, I don't know if you already knew this, but I've done several tax deeds. And we always say the terminology I always use is we're clearing the title. We need to clear the title from some of these old mortgages that are, shouldn't be on there anyway, but we just need to make the title look clean. And so would that be the same thing when I, when I was saying, hey, we need to clean this title, we need to clear the title, is that the exact same as quiet the title or are they, are they different? Uh, it can be uh, the same thing. Um, sometimes you can clear the title without going through a quiet title action, right? Okay. So you can, you can submit paperwork, maybe it's a correction of a legal description or something like that where you're cleaning up the title, clearing it, making sure that it's correct. Uh, and, and a lot of times it's not necessarily a quiet title action that you need to do to, to get that done. Okay. Yeah. Great. Thanks for going into that. I've always, I've no always kind of wondered if that was just people using different terminology or what. So, all right. So we're getting pretty close to hopping into what's called our final five. So we have five more questions that we, we ask almost every guest and I'm excited to ask you some of these, but before we do, is there any other information as it pertains to your law uh, office? your, what do you call it? A law office or a law? Law firm. Firm. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Don't know why I couldn't think of it, but okay. <laughs> so as it pertains to the, your law firm, is there any other information that you want to share with the listeners? Um, just that uh, being a small local firm, uh, we pride ourselves on providing personalized service. So, okay. uh, you know, when, when you call my law firm, you're going to speak to me you're not, uh, we don't have 10 or 15 associates, so you're not going to speak to a different associate every single time and spend billable hours for them to get up to speed knowing your situation or your business, right? I, I know my clients. I know what their business is about. I know what their goals are. And so um, when they call me, I'm already up to speed and, and we roll. Since this podcast is aired and we actually have listeners in more than eight countries right now, Let's, let's just let the uh, listeners know exactly where you are locally. Yeah, so I'm in Arvada, Colorado, um, and that's a, that's a good point. I am uh, only licensed in Colorado. Um, however, if you're out of state and you're buying business in Colorado, then, uh, then I can obviously help you. As long as there's some sort of a presence here in the state, then, then I can help you. Okay, great stuff. So are you ready for the final five? Let's go. All right, first we have a quick word from our sponsors. If you're syndicating deals, you need to be at the first annual Raising Money Summit in Denver. Go now. This two-day event on November 17th and 18th will sell out. If you get your ticket 
today, you'll save $100. Go to realbluespruce.com slash OPM. That's realbluespruce.com slash OPM. All right, so question number one, Heath. Think back on all the real estate you've de- deals that you've done and which one is the most creative deal? Uh, we did uh, purchase uh, a multifamily uh, or a portion of a multifamily unit uh, in Greeley, Colorado, uh, and that was a syndication situation. So we, we buy shares in an LLC. The LLC is the, is the entity that owns the property. Um, and so that, that's probably the most creative. I, I know it's not very exciting. I do vanilla deals. <laughs> No, that's that's totally fine, and and it is a one strategy, one creative strategy out there. It's one thing that my company is doing as well is syndications. Yeah, I like it, and I think we should maybe point it out just a little bit because this allows Heath. You're going, you're being completely passive, right? You're one of the equity partners, so you don't have to exactly make any calls about toilets or tenants or anything like that. But you still have an equity share, a part, a portion of ownership into that deal. And it is very creative. And I'd caution the listeners, if you're going to do that, if you're going to do the same thing, just do a really good job at, at understanding who the sponsor is, looking at their track record. And I'm, yeah, he's shaking his head yes. So a lot, yeah, of, a lot of the people are hearing, hearing this and not seeing this. But you know, we, we, this will be on YouTube as well as on Facebook but, or, and on podcast. But anyway, it, it is very, very important to make sure what, you're protecting yourself by understanding who the operator is. It's not all about the real estate anymore. So it is a very creative strategy, but you just got to be cautious and take some precautions. And if you're the sponsor, that's what the general partner is, the one who's making the decisions, talking about tenants and toilets. Uh, Those people have to be extremely focused on, on being a fiduciary, doing everything they can to be responsible and uh, over communicate instead of under communicate, but it, I'm glad that you brought it up. And so you've only been involved in just that one passive syndication or have you done any others? No, uh, since then, uh, we also have another one in uh, Omaha, Nebraska that we're involved in as well. Okay, but cool. I, com- I, com- I completely agree with you. I think that's the absolute key is, is know who you're going into business with. Uh, the other thing I'll throw out there is I won't do a deal, uh, a syndication deal, unless the sponsor has some skin in the game. Uh, we want, uh, you know, obviously I want them to, to have the same goals uh, that, that I do with the property. Oh, I love it. Thank you for sharing that. So the next question is a book that you might recommend to the listeners. And if you've got your own book, go ahead and plug it. <laughs> I wish I had a book, but okay. no. Uh, the one I'm reading right now and I'm almost done with, and, and I think it's extremely helpful. It's called The 12-Week Year. Uh, and basically what, uh, what that book is about is... Um, 12 months is a long time to set goals and to have uh, reasonable predictions about what's going to happen. And that what this book is suggesting is that we take the 12 months and make it 12 weeks instead. And that way our, our, uh, our goals can be hit a lot quicker. Our motivation is maintained over the entire period and, uh, and we're more likely to hit the goals that we set. So I'm enjoying that book a lot right now. Are you, do you have any way, uh, any thoughts on the implementation of the book? Do you see Do you see it being pretty valuable or beneficial to you? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. And I'm just kind of in the middle of uh, implementation right now. Um, but but just like the book says, it's it's sometimes hard to see where you're at with your goals on a on a 12 month uh, period. But it's pretty easy to see in in 12 weeks, and you can look ahead and see exactly where you are. So I'm finding that very helpful. 
Okay, great. Thanks for sharing that. Now, I like this next question a lot, and it, it brings out a lot of information about you that I think really helps the listeners. So let's talk about where were you five years ago from today? Well, think back and, and think about, I guess, 2013 and what were you doing? Uh, and then the second part of the question is to kind of visualize where will you be? Where do you plan to be five years from today? Yeah, so five years ago, I was transitioning out of a startup. So uh, I helped a, a group of people start a, a company. It's still around today. It's a great company called OneReach. Uh, and what it is, it's, it's a, uh, a communication platform, uh, email, text message, uh, and um, voice IVR is what it's called. Um, but they're doing really well. And that was a great company. But I, I helped them start that company up. Um, and then I was transitioning out of that into another uh, industry. So it was uh, it was kind of a a drastic change in 2013. All right. So in five years from today, what do you, where do you see yourself? Yeah, five, five years from today, obviously, uh, what I'd like to do is, is keep growing my, my law practice, um, maybe adding a couple of people so we can take on more clients and uh, continuing to help the, the small businesses and real estate investors here in, here in the Denver area. Great. All right. So the next question is, how do you give back? How do I give back? Um, well, I used to not so much anymore. What I used to do, though, is I did a lot of youth sports coaching. Um, and so I have three kids. They're a little bit older now. Uh, but when they were younger, I, I really, really enjoyed uh, coaching their sports teams. Um, and that was a lot of fun. So you volunteer and you get to know these kids. And even today, I'll, I'll run into some of these kids. They're a lot older and you're walking through Home Depot or the King Supers and they're working there and they say, hey, coach. And so it's really rewarding. Um, the other thing I do is uh, I volunteer with uh, Jefferson County. I'm actually a um, planning uh, a commissioner on the Planning and Zoning Commission. So uh, I, I volunteer there as well. Let me ask you, as far as being a commissioner on the Planning Committee, Zoning Committee, how does that help you in your business? Because I'm sure it does. I'm, can you kind of help me out uh, the way that I'm thinking there? Is there a way that it correlates with your business? Are you meeting more people? Or Go ahead. Yeah, so I'm not really meeting a lot of people, but what it does is it gives me insight uh, as a couple of different ways. One is I get to see what's going on in, in the county. Uh, what are the projects that are happening? Is it a multifamily unit that's, uh, that's being zoned? Is it industrial? you know, those sorts of things. So I like to have, uh, it's really valuable for me to have that insight. Uh, what's the market doing? What are, what kind of products are people putting out there? Um, the other thing it does for me as well is we get a lot of community input from that commission. People show up and, and as they should voice their, their opinions on these projects in their neighborhoods. Uh, that's been extremely valuable for me as well to get, uh, the community, um, the community input, the community, what are, what people are thinking of these projects going in. And so it kind of gives you a, a perspective from both sides. Great. Thank you for going over that. All right. So how do people reach out to you? How do they find you or your company? Yeah, my, my uh, law firm is H.A. Phillips Law, LLC. Uh, the uh, website is hafillipslaw.com, www.hafillipslaw.com. Um, they can send me an email directly. It's heath, H-E-A-T-H, at hafillipslaw.com. It was really, really good to have you. And until next time, my friend, think outside the box. If you're syndicating deals, you need to be at the first annual Raising Money Summit in Denver. Go now.
This two-day event on November 17th and 18th will sell out. If you get your ticket today, you'll save $100. Go to realbluespruce.com slash OPM. That's realbluespruce.com slash OPM.